Old Time Radio Theater would like to invite you to our next live podcast recording on June 3rd at 8 p.m. at Mainline Theater as a special event presented by the St. Amboise Montreal Fringe Festival. We will be performing an adaptation of Dashiell Hammett's seminal work, The Maltese Falcon, featuring the iconic detective Sam Spade. Tickets available at montrealfringe.ca. Be sure to find us on Facebook and at nomoreradio.com. And now, we recreate an episode of Suspense, originally broadcast on January 21st, 1962, and written by George Bamber, and featuring in this version Dan Dirksen, Jason McCullough, and George Muñoz. This is 2462 on Old Time Radio Theater. Travel back to the days of yesteryear with Old Time Radio Theater. On no more radio. And now, a tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. I only ask the place and time enough to give some small meaning to the meaningless and point to having lived. Listen now to 2462, starring Dan Dirksen, and written especially for suspense by George Bamber. I woke up on the floor, shivering. All of my clothes were gone. It was, it was like a nightmare. A nightmare I had dreamed many times before and decided and dreaded coming true. At first, I, I had I'd waken up in, in my own room that someone had taken all my furniture and clothes, but then I realized it wasn't my own room. It, it wasn't so much a room as it was a, a cube. An empty, sterile cube with luminous, luminescent walls that hummed with a, a soft blue-green blue light. I jumped, I jumped up and then threw myself against the walls, trying to find a, a way out, but there was, there was none. There was no door, there was no window, not, not even a ventilation tube. I banged on the walls and screamed, but no one answered me. <laughs> Nothing. The smooth, plastic, blue-green walls that hummed with the electric current in them. That gave them light and air, and then... slumped back down, back onto the foam plastic floor of my cell, afraid to admit where I was, and squeezed my eyes tight against the walls because I was, af- I was afraid I was going to cry. <laughs> Just then the wall in the front of me slid back on its tracks, and in the pale light of the corridor, I, I could see a large shambling man in prison coveralls with a nine-digit number tattooed on his forehead. W- what do you want? Follow me. He turned his back on me and stepped over the mo- onto the moving corridor. I stumbled at him because I was afraid to be alone. I had to know what was happening. W- where are you taking me? No talk. Just follow me. I could tell by the steady movement of his jaw and the dull, faraway look in his face. But I could question him all day and it wouldn't do any good. He was chewing tranquil gum. And the effects of, of that stuff last for like weeks. I knew where I was now. There could be no doubt of that. I rode behind my silent guide and 
up and down what seemed like endless corridors past row and row of cells that just just like this one. Some of them had their reverse scanners on, which means you could see the prisoners, to, but they couldn't see out. Some of them were sitting in the middle of their cubes, staring at nothingness. But most of them were slumped on the floor asleep, kept that way by somnigas, the gentle gas that keeps the inmates unconscious and manageable until the gases came up. I knew one day I would wind up here. Here I was the mo in the most scientific, escape-proof extermination center in the world. In here. The guard stepped off the conveyor in front of the heavy chrome door marked courtroom and pushed a button. I moved through the doorway like a schoolboy called up to recite. The room was not much bigger than the cell I had left, and it was empty. A lieutenant sat behind the desk as plastic bars gleamed at me brightly from the shoulders. I heard my guard close the door behind us. Then I noticed one wall was completely covered with a sleepy face of a computer. Sit down, sit down. I did as I was told. The only other piece of furniture in the place, a small three-legged stool in the middle of the room. I wish they'd given me some sort of clothes to cover my nakedness because there was a young girl, a secretary, sitting in the electrowriters, taking down everything that was being said, feeding it into the computer. Identity? Frank Smith. I said your identity. I, I told you, sir. Do not hold up the proceedings. Time is precious. You were issued a combination serial, social, and telephone number that was imprinted on your forehead at birth. From here, it appears to be 108-303-715. Is that correct? That is the number tattooed on my forehead. Clerk, let the record show that the subject is hostile. Yes, sir. Let us proceed. Case of the People versus 108-303-715 convened in the first court at 1800 hours in this day of our world, the 18th of November, 2462. 108-303-715. You are charged with two counts. One, writing non-productive literature, and two, wasting government time. How do you plead, true or false? I don't understand. Have you, or have you not, written poetry? I'm a clerk in the space department. True or false? False. I have here some hundred pieces of dabberidoo. I shall read a portion of one. See if you recognize it. <clears throat> in my treeless, greenless office, amid the bustling mad despair, I hunger after exile from the chrome and filtered air. Well? It's not a very good poem, is it? Did you or did you not write this poem, true or false? I can hardly see Answer, it. true or false. False! Account, then, for the fact that this poem was written on your electrowriter. There are millions of electrowriters. As you may or may not know, each electrowriter has its own characteristics, as individual as fingerprints. An expert has identified this poem as coming from your machine. I can call him in to testify if you like. There are two shifts. I'm not the only one assigned to that machine. You are not only a poet, you are a very stupid one. 
every electro writer imprints the date and hour of transmission. In every case, the poems were written on your machine while you were sitting at it, supposed to be doing the invaluable work of the space department. What have you to say? To what can I say? You are charged with two very grave counts in this court, writing non-productive literature and wasting government time. How do you answer? How else can I answer? Guilty. 108303715. You insist on imposing on this court concepts of legality as ancient as 1962 in this court. In this court, subjects are neither guilty nor not guilty. They simply are productive or not productive, social or antisocial. I repeat, are these charges against you true or false? Answer one or the other. False. Very well. Clerk? Yes, sir. Signal the judicial computer that all facts and considerations of this, of this court are now at hand and submitted. The subject's work record, fitness reports, sanity estimations, IQ, cooperation quotient. I watched like a sleepwalker as the lieutenant handed the thin, punched, and tabulated cards that were the history of my life. I watched with a gambler's fascination as one by one she fitted them into the monster's mouth and the lights blinked and flickered across its face, digesting my life and worth into this, uh, on this earth and estimating in hours and seconds how much longer I'd be permitted to stay. Suddenly I realized the computer had stopped. The lights across its face were dark. The machine's mouth spat out a thin red plastic card and the girl handed it to the lieutenant. Number 1083037158 it is the decision of this court. You are no longer essential or desirable to life on earth. What? On the 343rd day of this year 24 62, you will be taken from your cell to the Division of Agriculture for processing. No. no. Your body will be reduced to its basic components. No, no, no. And your existence on Earth will be terminated. No, no, no. God's, God's name, give me another chance. It is the decision of this court. You can't condemn a man to die for writing a few lines of poetry. Not for writing a few lines of poetry. For being a poet. If you were a scientist or an engineer, we could afford to overlook these extensive characteristics, excessive characteristics in your personality. Forgive the writing of a few lines of Dabry Doo, but you are not a scientist or an engineer or even a mathematician. You are a clerk in the space department, and according to your work record, not a very good one at that. I have no head for figures. At the time when this world is crying out, a need for mechanical and technical brains. The best you are suited for is rhyming words on scraps of paper. Can you possibly imagine the loss to society? I stood looking at the young man who was lieutenant. I saw his eyes on me. His lips moved, but no sound came out. Everything was... Everything he said was true. The world was in trouble. 300, 400 years ago, they thought they were having a population explosion. I should see it now. 
people live as far beneath the ground as above. New York was built 30 miles over the water and people commuted to and from work as far away as Ohio and Michigan. Even the deserts were populated. It took mathematical and technical brains just to keep it all going, not to mention the problem of finding new worlds in space. One zero eight three zero three seven one five. It must be apparent that even if you had some mechanical ability for the service and repair of computers and machines, I could try to learn. But you have no mechanical ability. Your aptitude tests show that. Just give me a chance to learn. There is no time. The world needs these talents now. Not a year from now. Not a month from now. I want us to live. We all want to live. That is the whole problem. The function of this court is to weed out the people who are not necessary to the continuation of life from those who are. Artists, philosophers, theologians, poets are not necessary. You have been found to be a poet. I appeal to the mercy of the court. There is no mercy in a mathematical equation. Give me another chance, just one! Number 1083037150. You are wasting the court's time. I have many more cases to deal with today. As you stand now, you are a drain on the Earth's natural resources. In exactly 20 days from now, you will contribute to them. Case dismissed. Look, look, I, I have, um, I have a favor to ask. Everyone's granted one last request. What is it? I have the right to, do I not, to spend my remaining days conscious? Yes, but you should request the Somnigas. Time goes by much more fast, and then the end is not so painful. I want to spend my last days conscious. Conscious? Why? So I can write. Write? Yeah. Write. I wouldn't have to have an electrowriter in my cell. Just a pen would do. I know how to use a pen. And some paper. I know you have no power over the decision of the court, but... Just this one last request, just one man to another. Very well. Orders will be left that paper and pen will be left at your disposal. Thank you, sir. Thank you. No more can be granted than the law allows. You may spend your last remaining days on Earth conscious and writing gibberish, poems, or whatever you wish. Next case. I had to bite my tongue to keep from shouting and turning handsprings all the way back to my cell. I had won the right to remain conscious my last days on Earth. The right to have one more chance at life and freedom. I realized fully how small that chance was. In the days when men still believed crime was cured by punishment, my cell would have been a jailer's dream. The smooth plastic walls were flawless. I searched the whole cube and no, no more than the first time, not even little pinholes which admitted the gas that finished you. 
I'd hope to dig under the soft foam of the rubber plastic floor with the point of my pen, but I dug at it and I couldn't even scratch it. For what must have been five days, I studied the prison routine in hopes of jamming the door and overpowering one of the guards, but it was impossible. Once a day, the wall was rolled back and the food was tossed in, wrapped in electroethylene, and then rolled back before you could get to it. It was impossible to wait near the door because the guards could see you waiting there and would not open until you were well back in the center of the cell. And what must have been the 10th day, I started to have hallucinations. People began to appear in my cell and chat with me. <laughs> People who had long since been dead. To stave off madness, I, 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 I picked up the broken stub of my pen and I began to write feverishly. I wrote a, I wrote a poem to a girl I had seen once when I was 14. And then I wrote, a, wrote one about a, uh, the last blade of grass I had seen. I wrote faster and faster. And I was completely caught up in the joy of writing. Writing about all the things I could remember until I lost track of time. Of place. No, 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 and it isn't time. I still have two days left. Tw uh, Twenty days, he said. Shh. Quiet, son. You still have two days to go. What do you want? To talk. Mind if I come in? It's your prison. He didn't come over all the... Didn't come all the way in, but he stood at the door, out of sight, out of the hall, but blocking my way. He was a very old man with mottled parchment skin. His prison coveralls hung on him like elephant skin. Who are you? I'm the night duty guard. What do you want? Oh, just to talk. I've never seen you before. Oh, but I've seen you. Every night, I see you looking over my shoulder, reading the things you write. Oh, hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. I haven't read any new poetry in 50 years since the computers came in. Thank you, sir. You got away with words. There's one poem you wrote, night before last. Which one, sir? The one about a man who's going to die and doesn't know why. Oh, uh, you mean this one? Yes. Yes, that's the one. Would you mind reading it for me? My, my eyes tire easily. Ah. Uh, Okay, um... In the monumental silence of a long and pointless strife, I'm pained at my reluctance to let go this last of life. I, on I only ask the place and time enough to give small meaning to the meaningless and point to having lived. Yes, I like that. How would you like to get out of here? <laughs> Are you crazy? No. <laughs> no one gets out of here alive. Guards do. But I'm not a guard. You could be. Now I know you're crazy. You could be if you put on my clothes, my uniform. They would do any good. They'd still recognize the number on my forehead. That's what gave me the idea. Look at your number and look at mine. 108-808-715. Only the eights are different. Yeah. We could take that pen of yours and make the threes look like eights. But you're an old man. I'm young. They would recognize the difference immediately. No, no. No, they wouldn't. 
The only one who sees me is the guard that relieves me and he's on happy gum. The only thing he looks at is my number. As long as it's the right one, he's happy. He couldn't tell you what I looked like if his life depended on it. Why? I don't know why. Maybe I just like poetry. Maybe because I'm doing this, I'm going to die anyway. Look at me. I'm 110. Yesterday I read where they're going to start eliminating everybody over 102. It will probably be law before the year is out. It's still a year to live, maybe more. A year of what? I can't smell anymore, my taste buds are gone, my hands and feet are always cold. It's not the real... That's not the real reason, is it? No. No, it isn't. And what is? I have a granddaughter, about your age. Beautiful girl. She used to write and paint some when she was young. Of course, we had to discourage it after the computers came in. Well, it would, it would just make me feel good to know they haven't stamped out the genes for poetry completely. I hate to live in a world where you don't get anything more than what comes blasting in at you over the telecommunicator. Well, what do you say? Are you willing? I'm willing if you are. Good. Now listen carefully. He sat up most of the night explaining his job to me, cross-questioning to me to, to me to be sure I remembered it right. His job was simple, mostly just pushing buttons. The difficult part would be finding my way out of the huge prison without looking like I was groping or getting off the overhead rail at the right stop to find his daughter's home. Finally, when he was convinced I had, I had it right, he left, promising to change places with me the following night. I was almost afraid to believe him. <laughs> The hours of what would be my final night on Earth crept by. The day had been bad enough, but the night, oh God, the night was worse. A hundred times I decided the night was over, that it was had all just been a sadistic trick by the old man so he could watch the agony of my final hours on Earth to pass the time. I was just about to beat against the walls and scream when... Quick. Quickly, help me out of this. Cover us. I thought you wouldn't come. I had to wait until the end of the watch so you'd have the best chance of escaping. How much time do I have left? About 20 minutes. The day guard will be coming to relieve me, so hurry up, will you? <laughs> Where's your pen? Oh, uh, here, here it is. Hold your head still while I change these threes to eights. All right, all right. Now, remember, stay on the overhead rail until you get out of Arizona. My daughter, my daughter is the next stop after that. Okay. Ah, finished. Goodbye. I, 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 I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Say goodbye before I change my mind. At best, courage is quicksilver. Goodbye, old man. Thanks. Close the door, quick. I did, a, I did as I was told. Raising my hand to break the circuit, and I watched as the old man smiled at me. Dig a position in front of it. The clock on the board said ten minutes to five in the morning. Ten minutes before I would be released. How's it going? Huh? I said, how's it going? Everything quiet? Oh, yeah, uh, fine, fine, yeah, fine, fine. I recognized him as the guard who was to relieve the old man. For a minute, I was afraid he'd recognize me as my his eyes drifted across my face, but then he they flicked like up to my forehead to check out my serial number, and he resumed his steady, quiet chewing. I came in a little early. You can never tell about the overhead rail. When it's going to get jammed up. Yeah, yeah, no, things are a mess, yeah. Uh, what, what's that? 
trouble in cell 84. See that flashing light on the board? Yeah, yeah, I'd better uh, turn it off. Cell 84 was my cell, the one I just left. That meant the old man was probably banging on the walls. I see cell 84 is scheduled for termination this morning. He probably just lost his nerve. They should make them all stay under Somnigas while they're here. Makes them easier to handle that way. I can't turn the alarm off? Of course you can't. As long as he's banging on the walls and screaming that way. Better go down and see what he wants. Uh, do I have to? Of course you do. It's the law. He might have something more he wants to say. I walked down the hall, feeling the guard's eyes on my back. I didn't dare argue with him anymore for fear that he would be concerned. It was all over now. I knew it was all over. I could see the old man beating on the walls of a cell beyond the transparent plastic, screaming soundlessly. He'd changed his mind. He'd wanted to live. In a minute, he'd be running down the hall, shouting for help, and in two hours, I'd be dead. I raised my hand to break the electronic circuit. Ah. Uh, oh, oh, there you are. I was afraid you wouldn't come back. You, you took the poems with you, and I couldn't remember that one. All I could remember is, I only ask the place. I, I can't remember how it ends. I only ask the place and time enough to give some small meaning to the meaningless and point to having lived. Yes, yes, that's it. And point to having lived. Suspense! You have been listening to 2462, starring Dan Durkinson, and written especially for Suspense by George Bamber. Suspense, an old-time radio theater, is produced by Shane Grin. Directed by Andy Grin. Featured in tonight's stories were George Mugius, Jason McCullough, and Dan Durkinson. Another tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense! Old Time Radio Theater is a podcast produced and distributed by No More Radio. Support for No More Radio comes from Montreal Improv. Check them out at montrealimprov.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash otrtheater and, of course, online at nomoradio.com. Join us next time with stories from yesteryear!